guys. Today I'm so excited to be talking to Bushra Amiwala. She is the youngest Muslim um, elected official in the U.S. And Bushra, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. Hello, everyone. Super excited to be here today. My name is Bushra, as Natalia mentioned. And I am a Skokie and Chicago native, was born and raised in Chicago, went to school in Chicago, and currently live here. And as she mentioned, I currently serve on the Board of Education for Skokie School District 73 and a half. So I really obviously want to start at the beginning because you are so young, putting all of us to shame um, about our accomplishments in the best way possible. But I want to talk about your uh, first campaign that you ran for uh, Cook County Board of Commissioners. And can you tell me what that was like? What inspired you to want to get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, growing up, wasn't really interested in politics. I just didn't see myself, I didn't see that being a space that I envisioned myself being in. However, as I got older, my senior year of high school, I took an AP government and politics course. And it was through that class where I learned a lot about American government and politics and truly became interested in the different facets of all of that. And through that class, I got an internship with our Republican senator at the time, uh, Senator Mark Kirk, the most powerful Republican in the state of Illinois. And even though I later ran as a Democrat, I worked for a Republican before running uh, myself. And it was someone on that campaign that saw leadership ability and potential in me and asked me to run for public office. Um, and it's something that I, I had no idea that I could ever do. And I was surprised that someone had even asked me to consider something like this. And I was 18 at the time and turned 19 by the time I announced my candidacy. And the rest was history. Um, but ran the first time and lost the first time I ran. But um was encouragement from the person that I ran against the first time, he actually encouraged me to run for public office six short months later. So in your first run, like in your first stab at doing at doing politics, which, you know, was interning for a Republican, what was that like for you? And, and how did you do that? Because I'm assuming that you disagreed with so many of the things that, you know, he was pushing. So what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. So Mark Kirk was a moderate Republican. So a lot of the things that he was pushing wasn't surprisingly as um, um, as bad as I assumed for it to be. And I think that a lot of the times, like on that campaign, I was continuously finding myself, catching myself, um, where I had preconceived notions for what I expected this experience to be like. And it was the opposite of that. So well, one thing that did reign to be true was he had a very white staff and everyone on his campaign was very, very white. And that was true. Um, there was no type of diversity in his campaign, um, at least from the field side. But my job was to be a field organizer. So I didn't have to tell a single person to vote for Mark Kirk. My job mm. was to go door and ask various registered Republican voters a series of five questions that Mark Kirk and his team would later shape policy around. So it was really cool. It was, I was on the constituent service side of things, so I got to engage and interact with a bunch of different voters from that background. But what was interesting was the first question on that list that we had to ask was on a scale of 1 to 10, how fearsome are you of an Islamic terror attack on U.S. soil? <laughs> And you show up with the hijab and, like, you're like, hello. <laughs> right, right. I feel like everyone laughs when they hear that. And 
even the people that I would ask the questions to, right, being this, like, young Muslim woman wearing a hijab, standing at their front door, asking them this question, people would laugh because they were so uncomfortable by the situation. And they would be even more uncomfortable because their answer would be 10. Very fearsome. Mm. um, Definitely learned a lot about people and where they stand on different issues and topics. And when I actually turned, um, when I sort of, like, got a bit more comfortable on that campaign I started inserting my own question number 1.5 which was why um I figured when else would I have the chance and opportunity to connect with people who not only disagree with me but our guests are scared of me in some Mm -hmm. instant and most of the time across the board the answer was well you're the first Muslim person that I've ever met which probably was not true right like I may be the first visibly Muslim person that someone has met like being a you know Muslim woman who wears the hijab um, but yeah, so that was that a little bit about that story and that experience, but everyone people wise on that campaign, I made a lot of friends, people were very nice, um, which again, I think kind of surprised me. Um, a lot of people just cared about issues such as like small business issues. A lot of people just wanted their tax dollars to be lower. It was the root cause of that really was just, I think, financial reasons for a lot of people, which I think was kind of interesting. Now, were you the only, like, Democrat that you found working on that campaign, or were there others like you? So there were actually quite a few other Democrats like me who were working on that campaign. Um, I think a lot of us found it to be just an incredible opportunity to work for a U.S. senator at the time, and I think that's really what inspired a lot of young people to get involved to work for him. And it was a paid field internship, so the mm. experience that... Um, was a really good opportunity for, I think, a lot of ways for a high school senior to get involved. So what was, tell me about the conversation that, you know, the person had with you who was like, hey, like, you could totally do this one day. You could run for office. What was that like? Yeah, so the person that was the head field um, director at for Kirk's campaign, and he didn't even say, like, you could do this one day. He said, you should do this now. Like, this is a, mm. this is a opportunity like you should run for the cook county board of commissioners like do you know what they are do you know what they oversee did you know you only have to be 18 to run for this seat is kind of what the leading <laughs> question was and i was super involved with nonprofit organizations service work is something that was really important to me so i would volunteer at five different nonprofits the five days of the week for five different causes oh my gosh from, everything from yep poverty to hunger to homelessness to food insecurity to um just refugee rights and, um, and, you know, immigration, like all of those different issues at hand. And people saw that like on Facebook and like from what I, like when I would talk about like how my weekend was or how I spent my time, um, it would come up and people saw that leadership ability and potential in me based on that. And the advice that I was given in that conversation was the best way to make long-term practical change is through public policy. And you can make a far more greater impact by working in the, in this public space and realm and putting in the same amount of time than what you're putting into these nonprofits right now and make greater impact. And it was put things into perspective for me like that, not saying you should do one over the other or anything like that, but just saying like, you know, you could put in significantly less time and work on the policy side of things and um, impact something greatly long-term. And so the, so the board of commissioners, like, did you have to like research? Did you kind of have to like figure out exactly what they did or you were kind of like, okay, Yeah, no, I definitely did a lot of research, and I found that um, 
the Cook County Board of Commissioners oversee public health and public safety. So they oversee Cook County Hospital and Cook County Jail. And they basically have a billion-dollar budget that oversees all of Cook County that comes from Cook County property taxes. And it's a part-time position, and it's a board position. So you're not the single governing entity or body by any means, but you're working with 16 other elected commissioners to make decisions for all of Cook County, which I think made it a much more digestible and approachable board position to overcome um, to undertake and it also would only encompass going to two board meetings a month so it was a part-time position too so like all the boxes just kind of checked out at that point now I mean was it but still like were you concerned because you were you know going to college it wasn't like your life was just stopping compared to maybe other people on there who could just have that was just like their only thing you know that was their part-time gig Yeah, so everyone who's elected on the Board of Commissioners do it as a part-time gig. So, for example, the person that I was running against, he was a full-time attorney um, and a lawyer, and he he served on this position part-time. So for me, I was like, okay, my day job is my internship and um, going to school, and then this would be something that I do part-time is what my understanding was. And I also think ignorance is bliss. I also don't think I entirely knew what I was getting myself into, even while just campaigning. And I think that's why it made it all the more easy to go get into something like that. I think if I truly knew like everything that goes on into campaigning, into serving for public office, I probably would have, I think, questioned it a bit more. And I think talked myself out of it for sure. Now, building a campaign as someone who's like 18, what, how, you know, like you got to get a campaign manager, you have to get like, did people, were people like, yeah, that'll be fun to work for an 18-year-old and help run her campaign? Did you have trouble convincing folks to get on board? So I actually, something that was unfortunate for me was I didn't have enough money to hire people, especially off the bat. Um, fundraising was something for me. I was like, well, what do you mean I have to raise all this money? Like, what am I constantly raising all this money for? And <laughs> no one like told me that like you need to raise the money for like every single resource that you possibly would need for your campaign um, unless you have the money yourself right like no one put things into perspective like that for me but because of that um, everyone on my campaign was volunteer based which I was super grateful for and people for some reason just were really connected to me and my energy and passion and excitement for this role and were like you know I want to help you like I want to see you succeed like I want to see you get to the finish line let's do this together And I guess, like, everyone wanted to come on board to that journey with me. But I think um, I was kind of a one-woman show to some extent, too. I was my own campaign manager. I was my own finance director. I was my own, um, you know, like, committee person. Like, I, I... I was the person that, like, if, if my petitions were challenged, would show up to court and, like, defend myself on my own. Like, it was just, like, me. Like, I was, like, I don't have, like, the money to... Um, do these things. So I did a lot. I spent a lot of time just on Google learning things, learning election law, campaign finance law, um, and found out that it wasn't as, um, you know, overbearing as a lot of it came out to be. So, you know, you being your own person for every single thing, was that, would you say that was like the biggest struggle for you? The The most difficult thing kind of having to be everything at once? Oh, most definitely. That was the hardest part about campaigning. Like when I did it the second time, I made sure I had a campaign manager and I wanted to separate myself from that part. Um, And I feel like the second time around, there are so many things that I did differently in my campaign that I learned the first time. Um, And those are some mistakes that I don't think I would make again if I ever like was to run for something else. 
So what were some of the big mistakes that you made the, the first time around? Um, one of the biggest ones was that it, just logistical campaign wise was that I did not put enough time and effort into fundraising, right? Like I spent a lot more time like knocking on doors, talking to voters, working with different constituents. And because of that, um, candidates actually personally have to spend a lot of time on the phone, making phone calls to get donations for their campaign to fund everything. And there just wasn't enough bits and pieces of me to go around in that, in that moment. And for me, I prioritize just meeting people over raising, you know, a thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, like that thousand dollars could have been enough to reach, you know, 20,000 people. Cause that's how much one phone call, like robocall costs. Right. So mm-hmm. I didn't have that perspective at the time and um, didn't have like that knowledge or that expertise either. So how did you tell your family that you were going to be jumping into a political space? Oh, yeah, that is it's such a funny story, because I remember I told my mom and dad together and my um, my dad was super excited and he wasn't like surprised or anything. He was like, yeah, go do it. Like, I expect nothing less from my daughter. Like, woohoo. And my mom really feared for my safety mm. and she simply was just like, no, <laughs> like she was like, <laughs> not happening. Like, she's like, there's no way. And again, like, she really feared for what like politics entails and her only perception of politics was Pakistani politics and seeing that like there was a lot of like violence and corruption that was underlying all of that. So it was just fear of the unknown. And we personally didn't know any elected officials or anyone in politics. So there wasn't like, you could just like ask for someone or rely on, you know, someone to come up with like, or to give advice or to see what that's like. So um, she really feared for my safety, I would say. So she was, she wasn't on board, but she ended up, you know, um, coming around and becoming one of my greatest supporters. And she helped put petition signatures for me and, you know, went and knocked on doors for me and gate and um, dropped off lunch to every volunteer on election day. So she did like all of that. (laughs) So, I mean, within, you know, I'm not like very familiar, obviously with like the the Muslim uh, community, in that area, but did you feel like you had a lot of support for, for, from them? Were they excited that, you know, maybe one of their own was going to be more visible? Yes, they were very, very excited. And I think that it's one of those things that was also a learning lesson for the Muslim community as a whole. My election loss was because there was a lot of energy and buzz and excitement and talk happening about my candidacy but those didn't translate to voters necessarily a lot of those people still didn't come out to vote because they were like oh Bushra yeah she's good like she has so much momentum built up like she's doing wonderful like she's doing such a good job campaigning like of course I'll vote for her of course she has my support but then when election day comes around it's like oh she'll be fine like my one vote doesn't matter and a lot of people held that similar sentiment um and a lot of people didn't actually end up turning out to vote for that reason and i think voter turnout is something that's low in the south asian community as a whole which was unfortunate so i tell people as a joke that i kind of was the bernie sanders of the muslim community because after (laughs) everyone was sort of a wake-up call for people where they were like oh my god like i so should have prioritize voting and then the second time around when I ran a lot of those people did show up to vote and I think that really pushed me over the edge that's interesting that you say that because you know I think right now especially in this time like people are really starting to pay attention to local elections because before there's always such emphasis on you know the big one presidential and if you're on a presidential ticket then that's a different situation but you know midterms and local like people don't really get 
as excited about. So when you were hitting the campaign trail, were you having a difficult time, like, getting people excited about local elections? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, so I think for me, like, I was campaigning for the first time during that transition period when, like, people were just, you know, the wave of, like, you know, these local elections matter and the blue wave and all of that started um, January 2018. And my election was in March 2018. So I definitely was able to ride that wave for three months. And that momentum generated a lot of excitement for my campaign and definitely, I think, made a huge difference in um, my election results. But I will say that um, just based on the way the Illinois primary system is set up, we have our elections super early um, in comparison to a lot of other states. And I think that that is something that um, that made it a bit harder to, to keep that momentum going just because, like, my election happened so soon comparatively. But I think that um, it was – you're right – there was I was able to ride that wave for those three months, but I think all of 2017 that I was campaigning, it was difficult. I did feel like I was kind of on my own, um, that, like, you know, I was really having to explain the importance of these local elections. And, like, I think it was easier for to get people to, quote, unquote, support me, but it was harder to convince them to actually go out of their way to actually mm, vote. Mm, as- mm. So, because I think that's, like, I mean, obviously that's an issue that a lot of people have when they're campaigning and that was a big thing with in 2016 with Hillary it was like people just didn't go you know there was kind of like this idea that oh Trump's never gonna win or like Hillary's got it you know or if she didn't have support there was a you know a big shift in in democratic politics um so turning out actually turning out people to vote is is quite difficult I feel like (laughs) And, and convincing people that they that it will matter and that it will happen. Now, did you face any any pushback? I know we've talked earlier, but, you know, for the podcast, like, from your age or from your religion or just being outwardly, quote-unquote, different, you know, while you were campaigning. Yeah, so a lot of the pushback that I received was... Um, was that it wasn't necessarily pushback, but it was um, just this overlying distracting factor of what my identity was like. And I think that it was a tactic that was used by the media in particular. People focused more on my identity than my politics, which as a candidate running for public office, your ideas matter very much more than they than what you look like, I think, at the end of the day, especially when people go to cast their ballot and especially for a Democratic primary election where you have a Democrat running against a Democrat Um that's really where like the fine line ideas I think come down to play. So I think that those like tactics I think are ones that um, I found being played against me a bit more. So people would talk about the color of my dress when I just had a very successful fundraising dinner, you know, with like hundreds of people in attendance. But like the article would say like, oh yeah, and Bushra wore a red dress to her fundraising dinner. <laughs> like, um, so I feel like it would really downplay a lot of my accomplishments and a lot of the momentum that I was generating. Um, so it's like I'm getting the press, but, like, is it as substantive as I want it to be and that I think it could be? And is it being as helpful as it could be as well? Um, I don't know. I feel like that's something that was that was an uphill battle for me and something that I was challenging on. I feel like no matter how hard I tried to be super authentic and candid in my interviews, like, somehow, like, the story would always end up being the same. Um, 
you know, like people really wanted to showcase this narrative of the poor Muslim woman hurt by the Trump administration, and now she's running for public office, when um, in reality, there wasn't really any correlation between that. Like, um, Trump's administration, like, didn't have, like, a personal impact on me like that by any means. Um, But for some reason, people really wanted to tell the story that way. Did you feel like there was a space for you, or or I guess before you running for office, did you feel like there was a space for, for a woman like you? In, in public office? I definitely did not think so, ever. And I and I think even on election night, like, that's why I thought I had lost, because I was like, there's, there isn't a place for someone like me. And then, you know, it, what's nice is that, like, a couple months later, you see Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib get elected, you know, to Congress, making history as the first Muslim woman to do so. And you see things like that, and, like, that's where, like, hope and inspiration comes back. And so what what was that, like, did that kind of push you to want to run again? Saying, like, okay, they can reach this high office. Maybe I can, too. That definitely was one of the factors. I think another factor was just constantly being asked to by a bunch of people in the community that, like, you have to run for something again. Like, this can't be it for you. Because I remember everyone asked me on election night, like, will you run for anything again? And I literally was like, no, like, I will not run for it <laughs> I'm like, good. <laughs> I, I was so sad and heartbroken and I feel like I put my all into it. And, um, but I guess obviously things change and it's, it's, this is super surreal to me, but it, it has been four years since I ran for the Cook County board of commissioners seat. Um, so if I hypothetically wanted to run for it again, I could, um, I don't know if I will or not. I would never run against an incumbent again. That's a challenge that I learned for sure. But if it's an open seat, someone signed me up for sure. <laughs> So yeah, talk talk about that running against an incumbent because we're having like I feel like we're having a lot of that right now of people running against incumbents, people, you know, like wanting to be like, yeah, they're incumbent, but they haven't done what our community needs. So talk about your experience doing that. Yeah, so I think my main experience was that the incumbent had been there for 16 years. And again, to put things into perspective, I was 19 years old. So um, that just puts things into context. And again, if you're there for 16 years, obviously you've done a lot of great things for the community and you've made a contributable impact and you've done some stuff. Like, I'm not saying that that was the case by any means, but for me, like, I was just like, we need like a fresh perspective, like a new voice. Like, I think it's time for a change. Like, and have this new representation for us. And I had like fresh ideas for the way that like, our property taxes should be measured and you know the way that that module should change and things of that sort and I think when it came down to like policy ideas like um the incumbent and I were pretty much neck and neck like we had like the same ideas we stood at the same places like he was a pretty progressive guy even though he was like you know a quote-unquote old white guy but he was very (laughs) too um so it wasn't necessarily that but so a lot of people didn't vote for me just because of what I was saying because what I was saying was very similar to what he was saying we both were saying the same things but it was why I was saying it right it was where like my story comes from and it was why I was doing it what my intention was and like the root cause of all of that and um, I found that people were more compelled and drawn to that aspect than um, just the policy which I think was really nice so what, what was your why then? You know, like you said, your why was different than his. So what was your why? 
Yeah, so my why was just like that intrinsic motivation to make a difference and to make a difference in my community and my desire to serve and how this is just like an additional continuum for the service work that I'm already doing is sort of what my why was, right? So it was very service oriented and mission oriented and driven in that in that way. And I think it's it was a very fresh idea for a lot of people. People didn't really see that like, oh yeah, like this is a service to the community and like seeing it in that way, I think was really refreshing to a lot of people. Versus more so like a job, like, right. like this I, is something forever and will continue to do. And yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's kind of, you know, there's been this discussion about having term limits now on public offices, not just president because like people are there for so long, but like not necessarily doing anything. So not fresh ideas are coming in. And because there isn't that focus on those more local elections or those smaller elections that aren't the president, that's how those people are able to stay there. So with, so now you're at, you know, Cook County School, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Cookie County School District uh, on their board of education. Do you feel like, oh, I could do this job like for the end of my days? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And I wouldn't, <laughs> Um, I think the job is like fun and I've learned a lot and there's so much professional development and you know things of that that I've gained and like my knowledge scope has expanded in so many ways and I you know bless the people that would want to but I definitely don't think that this job isn't made to, to be done by someone for that long and I think that's what public office is I don't think it's meant to be done for extended periods of time like that I think that's why that there are you know four-year limits and four-year terms and I think those terms are intentionally placed for a reason, but I think that maybe historically people have taken advantage of those terms. So what, what is next for you? Where do you see the jump from here? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm still contemplating about running for the county board again or not. Again, it depends on if the incumbent is going to run again or not. Um, if he's now served for 20 years, which I think is great. Good for him. Like, that's awesome. Like, thank you for your service for our community. Um, he's a great guy. He's a mentor to me. Like, um, I have nothing, you know, negative to say at all. And I, my day job right now is I work at Google. So I'm an account manager at Google. So that's like my nine to five, um, which I always like to point out to because people sometimes think that like, oh, I can't get involved in service work because I don't have the time. Like my job doesn't allow me to like, you know, I don't want to give up this comfortable lifestyle. And it's, you don't have to, you can integrate it and incorporate it in what you do in your day to day. Um, I definitely really want to write a book in the near future. That's something that I'm like trying to speak into existence. Um, <laughs> But we'll see what happens with that. So those are some of the things that are next for me. So how did you, um, I guess, like, how did you get to running for the Board of Education? I want to now talk about, like, that campaign and, and what that was like. Because you were like, I'm never going to run again. And then here we are in public office. Yep. So. Yep. So the person that I think brought up the idea of the Board of Education and the person that really, I think, spent the longest conversation with me about that and most of like, you know, the advice was the person that I ran against, um, mm. for the cook County. He was the person that actually was like, well, you should run for the board of education. Like, why should it stop there? Like this election is coming up just a short of a year from now. Like you could build your campaign again. Like you have this momentum. Don't let it die down. You have to do this again. Um, and again, it's someone seeing that leadership ability in you that maybe you don't see in yourself. And especially me having just lost a campaign, I definitely didn't see it in myself. And um, the idea of jumping back into a sphere like that six short months later, 
but doing it again in a more organized way was so cool to me because I really ran a full-fledged campaign and there were seven people running for three seats so it was very intense um campaign mode even though I was at the super local level and it was it was a lot of fun too we went to a lot of we had a lot of candidate forums we had a lot of like you know like um endorsement opportunities we had a lot of just like speaking type of um events in front of people and constituents and it was a very front-facing campaign trail for sure now what do you think were the accomplishments of your previous campaign that you brought with you to the board of education campaign yeah, I think my organizing skills were definitely put to the test for my Cook County board race. And I brought that with me to my board of education race for sure. And um, so, uh, for example, like we had a ton of volunteers willing to knock on doors and make phone calls. And that's the level of organizing we did at the Skokie Board of Education level that no one had seen before because it was such a hyper local race. Mm-hmm. Um where people normally didn't get involved in that level and in that degree. And we're like, we're going to go big and we're going to, you know, <laughs> our, like, even though it's the board of education, like we're going to, sh- we're going to have, you know, shirts that's, you know, have my like logo on it. We're going to go crazy with the yard signs. Like we're going to go insane with the fundraising. Like we're going to do this the right way. And we did. And it worked. That's awesome. Like, cause I, once again, like you said, it's like, it's so local. So people don't really, you know, invest, I guess, as much time. It's kind of like, oh, well, I've seen that name before, so I'll just I'll just check that one off instead of, like, really diving in. Did you feel like it caused the other... Because you said there was, like... Then it was, like, six other people that you're running against. Did you feel like it caused them to also step up their game? A hundred percent. A hundred percent it did. And I think it made it just all the more intense for all of us. Um, so they, they did step up their game too. And I was very impressed by the campaigns that they were able to run to. Were people concerned about the fact, I guess that like, you know, you don't have a kid, you know, at the time, like you don't, you know what I mean? Like, what were the concerns, I guess, for you running for board of ed where people kind of like, well, what's your real investment, you know, in this? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that came up that I don't have a kid in the school district, but what really resonated with people was that I'm a product of the school district. I attended all of those public schools, and a lot of the same teachers, the same librarian, the same administrators are all still there, so that context and perspective is one that I have that a lot of the other Board of Ed members will never have because they haven't directly worked in those atmospheres and scopes, and it all comes down to diversity of thought, too. And um, it's a whole different, it's the student's perspective. And I graduated in 2012, so it's not as far removed as it seems um, from that. So I feel like it was really comforting for people to hear that I went to the schools as well. So you're like, you're running for that office, like with, with this election being so hyper local, do you think that like uh, political parties really played a role um, in your running for office? Or was it kind of just like, I'm Bushra, I'm running for this. But, you know, you didn't really have to talk about being a Democrat or Republican or independent or things like that. Um, So at the Cook County board level, like, it really, really mattered that I was, like, a hardcore Democrat. And it really, the Democratic Party played a huge role in that. Like, the institutional support that the Democratic Party has to offer, I think, is invaluable, especially for any candidate running for public office. But... The Board of Education is a nonpartisan seat, so you were, like, not encouraged at all to talk about Democrat versus Republican, since mm. it's nonpartisan. So we were actually discouraged to even bring that up. Mm. 
Now, kind of flash forward, gone through college, you're here, thriving. What made you, because like, it seems like, okay, I'm going to go work for Google. Seems very different than, you know, your other, you know, part-time hustle, which is politics. Uh So what made you want to like shift into that? Yeah. So all of my professional work experience has always been in marketing. And even my major in undergrad and college was always business. It was always management information systems. So I feel like my professional job has always been in line and on this track. And I've always known that like the public service work that I do will have to be a part-time gig for now as it is unpaid. Like, I feel like you have to have that balance somehow. So I think I shifted mindset wise where I was like, I don't have to do, you know, service work from nine to five like it doesn't have to be my day job but there are other ways I can incorporate and integrate that into my day-to-day and feel just as fulfilled um in that way so I think like I was always on this career path and trajectory and I wanted to be in a comfortable enough place where I can afford to even serve in that way I think that's interesting that you say that because it it does bring back to the fact of like viewing you know politics as like a public service you know, right. as a volunteer opportunity versus like, this is my career goal. And I think mm-hmm. especially because your, you know, your day job has nothing to do with politics. And you said it yourself, you're like, I always knew it was going to be part time. So just how you were volunteering those five days a week, you, you, when you hopped into politics, it was like, I'm volunteering these four days a week. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And I think that's such a, I think that's such an interesting, like, way to go about about it and, and view it. Because, I, you know, we don't view it as just like a simple public service as a volunteer opportunity and working for the community. And do you feel like that, that kind of spirit or kind of mantra has really actually helped you be successful instead of viewing it like a job? Oh, 100%, because it always reminds me that I'm here in service to my community, and I was chosen to represent, and and I was elected to represent them. So I, so I feel like it's a responsibility of mine to ensure that I'm always, you know, doing everything I can in my capacity to help them meet their goals or, you know, ensure that, like, whatever issues that they have, like, I can step in and resolve in any which way that I can. And it just reminds me, like, who the big bosses are, right? It's the people in the community, and it just always reminds you. And it's a really good level-setting thing, I think, as well. Were you worried at any time that you were going to change through this process? That's such a good question. Um, Honestly, I never really worried about changing all that much because – like, I, I feel like my my friends and my family are really good at um, knocking that idea out if that was to come. So I, th- I think I have a really solid, like, I call them my board of directors. Like, I have a really <laughs> solid board of directors around me to check me continuously and to make sure that, like, I don't change for the worse if that's something to come. Did you, were you ever, I mean, I guess kind of like, was the thought ever in your mind that you were going to have to play down your your gender or being Muslim like did you did you worry like in order to win or was that something because you're like well that's not who I am I'm not gonna ever try and run like that yeah you know that's like not something that ever crossed my mind to be truthfully honest but I think that um the fear of like having to adapt and conform to some way I think that fear is definitely one that has crossed my mind before like 
for example, I don't drink because I'm Muslim. So I think a lot of these political networking events, drinking is a huge part of networking and making those connections. So I would always think that like, oh, like, you know, is that something I'm going to have to compromise on or like come around on? But like, nope, like you can still do, you know, just as good of a job, like with your sparkling water and lime, like no one needs to know. (laughs) Um, And, you know, make a difference that way. So I think like those are the things that I definitely feared for. And I knew that like, I had like differences in my background in that way, but um, I don't think I let it take too much of a toll on me or any of my experiences. Was it kind of, I guess, jarring then to kind of be shot into national spotlight because, you know, you were just running this very basic, you're like, I'm just here in my little county, and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, the youngest Muslim woman to be running, like it became like a thing, like how did you experience that? Yeah, um, that's a really, really good question. And I think that I wasn't prepared for it, I think. Um, I knew that I would be, as running for something, I would represent my constituents and my community. Um, but what I didn't realize is that I would end up representing Muslim women as a whole at a national level. And that's something that I just think at the age of 19, like I wasn't prepared for. Because I don't think I'm a perfect Muslim by any means. And I think a lot of people would ask me certain questions about the faith that maybe I didn't have scholarly answers to or didn't have enough knowledge to. And I definitely learned a lot more about my faith over time because of this. So it's brought me closer to my religion for sure. Um, But I think the national attention, I I just was really excited by the momentum that came though and that it brought to my campaign. And I think it was the most helpful thing while campaigning. But at the end of the day, a lot of the articles in the beginning early on, they would talk about, you know, this young Muslim teen running for office, but like, None of the articles said my name, um, which was so heartbreaking, too. It was like, wow, like, you know, you have, like, this piece in, like, the New York Times and, like, the ta- the headline doesn't have my name in it, right? So, like, people, like, don't click, you know, like, people don't click on articles as often necessarily. People don't read them all the way through. Um, so it was definitely something, like, it's, a, it's definitely something that I was more vocal about then. I was like, yeah, you know, like, but people should be more front and center with my name. That way, when people go to vote, they remember. So people started using my name in the ta- in the headlines then. So it was really cool to see that I was able to make an impact, even in just the way the media portrayed mm-hmm. my race. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like you talking about the erasure of your of your name because of course, like of course, you'd want to be like, okay, who is she? I can't follow like, especially in the era of like social media. It's like the first thing I do is look at someone's Twitter or Instagram. Even before oh, yeah. I think I, like, fully, like, Google them. That's, like, the first yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just be like, all right, well, what does their page look like? Because I think that, you know, that gives you more representation of who they are, and you didn't even get to have that because no one was, like, putting your name yeah. in, the, in the headline. Did yeah. you... So I guess I kind of want to know about, like, that juxtaposition of, like, in in your community building that momentum, but, like nationally people who didn't necessarily know you and were in the community did you feel like they were you kind of mentioned it earlier but but trying to put like certain narratives on you because of what you quote unquote represented Uh uh-huh yeah I definitely think that with the national attention that there was literally national attention watching my campaign on the on election night so I feel like it was very easy for me to get convoluted and bogged down by this 
overwhelming amount of support, but I had to realize that a lot of that support wasn't from people in my community. It was from people all around the country that were rooting for me, but they are the ones that are going to go vote for me. And I think I really did get distracted in that way too. And I think I was a bit more relaxed in my approach because it's like, oh, I got this. Like, look at all these people that have just shared my post. Like, you know, like, this is awesome. Like, this is totally working and it's all going great. And, you know, I just got this magazine feature. Like, oh, everyone's going to read it. But realizing that like only a small base of the people in my actual district will read that and come across that and those are the people who are voting and I think that that mindset and level setting with that is something that it came just on election night after I lost right and reflected how did did you feel like uh this whole you know running a campaign election like really affected you mentally spiritually like how you know internally how did that affect Mm -hmm. you yeah so A story that I like to tell is just to put things into perspective is that on the day before my first election, I got like 400 text messages from friends, people I'd met over the course of the year, like just saying like, Bushra, we love you. Like, oh my God, we voted for you. Like, you're amazing. Woohoo. Lots of words of affirmation. It was great. And election day happens. I lose the day (laughs) after. A is the first day of spring break, so I don't have school to worry about. I just quit my internship, so I'm basically unemployed, and my campaign office is over, so don't have that to worry about either. And I literally sit in bed all day and respond to every single text message that I got. And, you know, a few hours go by, days go by, weeks go by. I got, like, a handful of responses back, and all those people were gone. Um... And fast forward to, you know, a year later, and I, you know, it's a day before the election. Don't get that many texts saying good luck. It was a much more low-key campaign in comparison. Um, And I get elected. All of those people are back with their congratulations message. To the point where it was, like, so funny where you see, like, you know, March 3rd, like, people, like, saying, oh, like, good luck. And then, like, April 2019, like, oh, congrats. Like, you know, like, (laughs) no message or communication in between. So I learned a lot about temporary friends. And people that are only friends with you because of the quote-unquote clout that you may Mm -hmm. bring. Um, And I think that affected me, I think, mentally a bit more than losing. I think losing definitely played a huge... I think losing for anything is hard. But losing in the public eye is so much harder. Like, I actually cried on election night. And there was a documentary that was being filmed about me. And the camera's, like, trying to get my reaction. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I don't... Not the time. because I just invested a year and a half into this project basically right that like didn't go my way um so I think that I think that was really interesting but that those are some of the ways and spiritually I always knew you know spiritually that like everything happens for a reason what's written for me will be mine you know I think that that was just like a very comforting belief that I held and um Islamically and I think I really needed that and to channel that energy to cope with the loss when that happened so, you know, you talked about you're going to you thinking about writing a book, maybe running for Cook County again, Board of Commissioners. Do you ever see yourself holding something higher than like just a local office, but like a statewide or or um, yeah, statewide or just going to, you know, going to D.C.? Yeah, um, I've definitely thought about it a lot more now that some years have gone by and that I've had experience, you know, serving and I really like it and enjoy it. And I see it being something that I would love to do sometime. I just don't know if I have 
the tough skin that it takes to be at that level and the amount of scrutiny that people get at that level, um, that's just the only thing that's, I think, holding me back at this point. Mm. And that's true because I, I couldn't do it. That wouldn't be for me. Seeing it, you know, working in D.C. and, like, seeing it from the journal, I was like, I, I cannot imagine having people all over me like that. It's too much. Um, what is some advice you have for other other folks that want to run for office, specifically women, specifically, you know, Muslim women that are being like, oh, maybe there is a space for me? Yeah, I think the best piece of advice that I have is um, just get involved in any which way that you can in your community. I think that's such a good place to start. And if we need you, it's definitely what I will say as well. We need you, your voice, your perspective, your energy, um, your time, your passion, your resiliency. We need all of that um, at the table, and we want it. So if you ever have the inclination to run for public office, then that is definitely something that is rare. Normal people do not think like that. Like That's not like a normal thought that like runs through people's <laughs> minds. So I think if you have that thought, then know that you are unique, and you should definitely channel that and chase that. And the last question that I ask all my guests is, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Um, I define it by leading with intention and empathy at all times. Um, so being a very like empathetic person who understands people's perspectives and where they come from. And I think that that's something that's unique to womanhood and like to women in general. It's, um, you know, to lead with our emotions and our emotions have a lot of value though. I like that. Our emotions have a lot of value. Thank you. Because people call us too emotional sometimes, which yeah. I think is absurd. Um, Bushra, thank you for spending, you know, this time with me. It's been great, uh, really just getting to talk to you again. Talked to you previously, but again, it was, it's been lovely. Do you have anything that you want to shout out or promote before we head out? Um, just definitely check out all of my social media channels. It's just at Bushra Amiwala on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, I love to connect with people, so feel free to message me anytime. Like, I'm always happy to give advice or talk through ideas, whether it be public office related or even the corporate lifestyle. Like, I have, <laughs> I like to talk about both. Awesome. I'm definitely going to link all of that in the show notes. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Um, please connect with the show on Instagram and Twitter at Pretty Face Lady 3. Uh, and go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. Um, if you want to email the show because you want to say hi, know someone who can come on the show, um, please email me at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help the show grow. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.